season two of the JKR podcast powered by Black Cobra Sports. My name is Jay Shriglin and I'm the host. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. to the JKR podcast today we have Mississippi native Canes alumni and current Mississippi State freshman right-handed pitcher Evan Sierra on the JKR podcast for the Canes baseball series Evan super pumped to get you on the show man how are you doing today I'm doing well how about yourself pretty good man so you know before we dig into you know your, your whole baseball career I know you said you're on the mound tonight I got one question I'd like to ask everybody to get off to start off the JKR podcast and that is for those who don't know you how would you introduce yourself who exactly is Evan Sierra? Uh, myself, I personally, I'm kind of quiet, kind of like to stay under the radar a little bit. Just kind of like to be myself, hang out with friends, enjoy enjoy my time just being a baseball player and being a student athlete. Okay. Just hang out, hang out with my teammates, just, you know, everything that a normal person does, but still have a baseball life too. Okay, so with you being on the mound tonight, let's kind of start with that. Kind of take us through that pregame routine and what that kind of looks like. Yes, sir. So pregame routine, probably normally we have team meal four hours before our our game starts. So we play at six tonight. We'll have pregame meal at two. And then after pregame meal, I'll go get some mobility in. I normally have a specific mobility routine. I do 15 minutes just to make sure my body's warm. And then from there, it's just kind of, we got BP, so we'll go out, shag BP. And then I just carry the same routine I do when I'm in relief for a weekend series. It'll just be probably throw out to 90 feet, just make sure my arm's good, make sure all my pitches are moving the way I want them to move, and then just go to the bullpen mound and be ready for the game. Okay, so when you are on that mound, you know, what is that pitching repertoire you got? Yes, sir. I, right now I'm throwing fastball, slider, changeup. Okay. And are you pretty set with that three pitch mix you got going or is there any chance here in the near future, you know, you might be adding a pitch or two? Yes, sir. So normally I've been a fastball curveball slider changeup kind of guy, but as of right now, I'm still tweaking with my curveball a little bit. So that's more of a pitch that I'll start adding back into my repertoire as I get it going more. Okay, so with that curveball, you know, when you are trying to develop a new pitch or just develop a pitch that you you already have in your arsenal, how do you kind of go about that? I know some pitchers have a different way of going about developing pitches. So for you, what does that kind of look like? I normally go to my teammates, guys who have been guys who are older on the staff here, normally see what their pitch grips are like, maybe play with their pitch grips, how they throw it, and just kind of make it my own, kind of shape it the way I want to shape it how I can throw it faster or how I can get it to break more. Okay. So with you being a freshman, I know you said you go to some of those older guys. Who are some of those upperclassmen on that Mississippi State team that have maybe, you know, taken you under taking you underneath their wing here, you know, this this freshman season? Yes, sir. We have we have a lot of transfers too that have really been helping, who've seen different atmospheres, played at different places. We've had multiple guys who went to Omaha in 21 and won it all like Casey Hunt and Parker Stinnett, Kate Smith. Those guys have really been big, just helping me learn like the experience-wise of SEC baseball and how it, how it is playing here at Mississippi State with 15,000 fans on a Friday night, Saturday, Sunday series. 
when it can be mentally draining, but still have to be locked in. And then we got some transfers like Aaron Nixon from Texas. He was a closer out in Texas for the past two years, went to Omaha twice. And I mean, he's kind of been helping me through the process of just staying, keeping the hard work going and just really knowing how to handle college baseball. Yeah. So with that Mississippi State team only being two years removed from that, you know, that 2021 um, College World Series, like you mentioned, you know, just from you being an insider of this program now, you know, for the summer, through the fall, and now for your freshman year, you know, what's maybe some of that culture that you've seen in that Mississippi State locker room with the coaches? I mean, I believe it's Coach Lamonis, correct? Yes, sir. Um, so yes, what's, sir. That, what's kind of what that culture that he's built to, you know, maybe that led them to that success there two years ago? Yes, sir. The culture is very much just keep your head down and work. Just go to work every day, stack days on days, and just keep working. Because the harder we work, we know we'll, we'll be there at the end and just really just stay with each other and be a group, be a tight group of brothers who love each other and do anything for each other. Okay. So let's dig into when you're, let's dig in again to, you know, when you're actually on the mound, take us through those pitching mechanics. What is that from your wind up when, when you're on the mound, just take us through those mechanics. Yes, sir. So on the wind up, I'm, I'm just more of, I'll, I start middle of the rubber, step off to the side, just cause I throw across my body. It makes it harder for, it makes it easier for me for right-handed hitters. It's harder for them to see cause I throw across my body. So then it's just, leg kick and then try and stay in my back hip as long as possible and just really keep the tension in my back hip to let it release at the end and have good hip separation. Okay. So when it comes to arm care, so this can be, you know, off season in season kind of take us through maybe that, that uh, deload session in the fall, ramping back up there in December, January, getting ready for that spring season. What does that look like? And then even beyond that actually in season where you're at right now, what that looks like, you know, from outing to outing, just, you know, your whole arm care situation. Yes, sir. So off season, well, before off season, we took about a week off. I, it really wasn't a week off. I would still, I would still go out there and throw just because I'm not a big, I, I personally don't like just taking two, three weeks off from throwing. I like to still be able to get my arm moving, make sure I'm keeping the same arm motion, especially since in the off season, we're putting on a lot of muscle putting on a lot of lot more weight so make sure the arm still has the same pattern has everything so I'll be able to go come springtime so normally we'll take a week off but I'll still throw in the fall and then as I get into the off season we'll start ramping it back up with long toss and pull downs well it's normally long toss three times a week pulling down twice and then we'll, we'll always have one off day of the week that you just don't throw so you can recover your body get your body back up and then in season we we go in season and then it kind of gets more it gets more hectic with when you throw or like after you throw so normally I'll I'll throw say I throw on a weekend I normally don't like to take days off I'll probably get out there the next day throw to 90 90 feet and then come in do a little do a little flat ground to touch and feel make sure I still have my pitches working and just make sure my arm's still moving to work some of that soreness out. Okay. So being a part of this Mississippi State program now for, what is it, probably eight or nine months, I'm assuming you probably went there, you know, last June or so. What are some of those biggest lessons that you've learned, you know, from this Mississippi State pitching coach, you know, going from that high school level to that collegiate level? Just what are some of those biggest lessons you've learned from him? Yes, sir. The biggest thing is just confidence. Being confident in your stuff when you step out on the mound and make sure, make sure you've prepared yourself to be confident. 
the biggest things just throwing strikes and being confident in your stuff and believing in yourself. Okay. So looking at your game's entirety, if you were a scout watching yourself on that mound, what would be that personal scouting report that you would write up on yourself? Uh, personal scouting report. I think it would be probably fastball plays well to the upper part of the zone, plays well down too because of my ride on my fastball. And then best secondary pitch change up just because it plays so well off of my fastball. It moves a lot, arm side drops. And then my slider kind of, it's kind of put away pitch for me. So you kind of dug into there to, you know, kind of what exactly your pitches do. But if you had to kind of dig into maybe some of the key things you're wanting to develop here, you know, the rest of the season going into the summer and then into your sophomore season as well, what would be some of those key emphases within your development that you're trying to focus on? The key emphasis would probably be my slider, throwing my slider harder, getting it to be more of a swing and miss pitch right now. Right now, it's not it's not moving great, but it's still moving well enough. So I feel like if we can get some more depth on my slider, make sure make sure I'm throwing it so it's later to hitters, so they can't pick it up as well, and so it overlays with my fastball better. Okay, so with where you're at right now within your collegiate, well, within your baseball career, you know, being a freshman pitcher in that SEC, I'm sure you've had a ton of influential people within your baseball career. But if you could pick two to three people who have been the most influential. Who would those people be, and who, what would be the reasonings for them being so influential? Most influential would probably be Sean Armstrong. He's been – he's pitching with, I think it's the Rays right now, Tampa Bay Rays right now. He uh, he kind of really got me started when I was, like, 13. He got me started into all the driveline stuff, really knowing my mechanics, getting, getting through that point in my life to really go out there and pitch and be a more efficient pitcher. And – I don't know. I really don't know who else. I think that's about it. Okay. So you mentioned driveline there. Are you are you a big driveline guy? I throw I throw driveline a little bit. Okay. So take me through that driveline program a little bit. Yes, sir. So normally we go reverse throws with the black ball, reverse throws with the green ball, and then it's pivot pivot picks with the green ball, and then we'll do some rockers. We'll get those in, and then there's just a little hip hinge one that I normally do. Just make sure I'm riding my hip down. Okay. So you're at Mississippi State now as a freshman. Let's dig into that whole recruiting process. You know, what exactly landed you there at Mississippi State? Take us through that whole recruiting process. When was it that, um, you know, maybe some collegiate coaches started reaching out to you? Yes, sir. First time collegiate coaches reached out was the summer after my freshman year. So that's really when it all picked up. It picked up that summer. I was playing with the Canes. I think it was, I think I was with Canes 15U National at that point. I had Coach Batch as our coach, Coach Bachelor as our coach. And that's really when it picked up. I picked up Clemson, South Carolina pretty early because I lived in South Carolina at that point in time. Because I lived there, I lived there from my eighth grade year to my junior year. And then I moved to Mississippi my senior year. Okay. So with those, you know, two two great two great collegiate programs reaching out to you there at the beginning, Clemson, South Carolina, I'm sure some other teams as well. You know, what did those initial conversations kind of look like? You know, what maybe what were some questions that they were asking? How did those first couple conversations with collegiate coaches go? Yes, sir. They were very they were very interesting, especially as a coming going into my sophomore year. You really don't see yourself as talking to college coaches that early on, but they they were good. They were good. They normally ask. What's your plan over the next 
two years, three years, how are you going to develop? And that's normally how it goes. And just trying to get you on campus, see some things. Okay. So, you know, you're talking to your first collegiate coaches, you're 15 years old, still three years away from actually going to college. You know, what's going through your mind at that point? Like you pretty, pretty psyched to take us through that whole thing. Yes, sir. I was pretty excited about it. It was pretty excited, but at the same time nerve wracking because you also have to know like three years from now, is this a place I want to be in for three or four years before hopefully going to the draft? And like, do you see yourself fitting in in that kind of culture and that kind of that kind of town? So it's kind of nerve wracking a little bit just because you're making you're making a commitment like three years out from when you're actually going to be there. I'm sure. Which is which, Go ahead. Sorry. Which which is kind of which is kind of interesting because you're like. At the age of 15, you're not really thinking about college, college life, or you're not thinking about college schoolwork. You're just thinking about playing baseball at that point. So it, it was interesting for sure. I'm sure. So you're going through that process. You're talking to some of your in-state schools at that time, South Carolina, Clemson. Um, you know, what were some of those key things that you were looking for throughout that process, comparing different schools, comparing different coaching staffs? What were some of those key things you were looking at? And when was it that Mississippi State kind of found their way into the mix? Yes, sir. The main thing I was looking at was the education part of it. I was looking at the education and the coaching staff because I feel like if I could get on campus with the coaching staff and it's a really good coaching staff, I know I'll fall in love with them and obviously want to work hard for them. So those were the main two things. I was also looking at the facilities point perspective of it because you want to go somewhere that's going to have the resources you need to succeed and make sure you have what you need. So that was kind of like the main, that was the main focus I had on it. And then Mississippi State came into the, it was the same time Clemson and South Carolina and all of them were reaching out to me. That's kind of when my, my recruiting process blew up. It was the first time I touched 90, my 15 new year. And it just kind of blew up from there. I had four or five schools really start talking to me like Kentucky, ECU, NC State, Arkansas. They started talking to me, Vanderbilt, Duke, North Carolina. And so that kind of all took off. And Mississippi State was right. I think Mississippi State came in right after South Carolina and Clemson. Okay. So, I mean, you're, you mentioned a lot of schools there, you know, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, ECU, who's, I believe, a top 15 program right now, all the Arkansas, you know, just a ton of great baseball programs. What was it that landed Mississippi State, Mississippi State on top? And do you kind of remember that day where it hits you? Okay, you know, I think Mississippi State's a school for me. Yes, sir. What really sold me was when I came down here for the visit. I really liked the coaching staff, Coach Lamonis and Coach Foxhall, who's the pitching coach, even Coach Cheesebro and Coach Goat, who they, they've all had a lot of success. And I really just found my I found myself to fit in with them. I could have conversations with them that were personable and Coach Lamonis and Coach Foxhall, both being from South Carolina at that point in time, they both coached in South Carolina. They recruited in South Carolina a lot, which I really found personable with them. And they kind of understood like where where I was in South Carolina. So it was it was easy to fit in with the coaching staff, which I really loved. And the facilities here are just top notch and probably the best in the country. And then the town, the town of Starkville itself is great. It's not super big. It's not super small. You kind of have the college atmosphere you, you want, but you don't have a lot of people. And it's, it's kind of like out there in the middle of nowhere. So you kind of like feel, you know, you're on campus when you're on campus. Yeah. 
So you, you mentioned that the whole recruiting process started the summer after your freshman year. When did it kind of come to an end? When, how long did that take before you chose Mississippi State? I chose Mississippi State. I committed November 1st of 2019. So it was the fall of my sophomore year was okay. when I committed. Okay, so you committed there for a couple of years. Take us through that fall of your senior year. You go through all the fun stuff, official visits, signing day, stuff like that. You know, just what was that excitement you were going through, you know, just the fall of your senior year doing those couple of things? Yes, sir. It was definitely exciting. It was really exciting being able to put the pen to paper and make it official, make it official, come in here. And the, the recruiting visits were, they were fun. They were fun. Those go to football games, get to see the team at that, at that point in time, hang out with those guys, kind of see the campus a little bit more. It, it was, it was fun. It was just, it was an exciting moment, really being able to, you know, after your senior year, you're going there and you're going to be able to play on that, that kind of stage. Yeah. So your senior spring, I'm sure, you know, maybe, I mean, a, a year ago from today, kind of in a way, uh, I'm sure, you know, maybe some scouts are, scouts were there, you know, take us through last spring, just in terms of your mindset, maybe heading into that summer, potentially going to the MLB draft, potentially going to Mississippi state. Where was your mindset there on that? And just take us through that senior spring. Yes, sir. My mindset there was I always had the plan of going to Mississippi State. I kind of wanted to go there, get my college degree or be at least close to it when I leave. So I was just kind of I was just kind of preparing myself for going to Mississippi State. And so happened if the draft calls, the draft calls. But at the end of the day, I was really prepared to just go to Mississippi State and start working with their guys over there, try and put on some more muscle, put on some more weight, go a little bit faster, get my stuff better. And I know playing in the SEC, it's going to challenge you a little bit, but it would be a good challenge. Okay. So for that summer, you know, you head there, I'm sure as freshmen, you and some of the other freshman teammates head there a little bit before some of the upperclassmen, some of the regular students. What was that summer like there in Starkville? You first get there, just take us through those first couple of weeks on campus. Yes, sir. Summer, summer here was fun. It was fun. There's really nobody on campus in the summer, so it's easy to go to your summer class. We had one summer class a day, and I think the class was at like ten o'clock. So it was it was pretty easy to it was pretty easy to go to. It was like life skills of student athletes. So really, really help you fit into college. Just get your feet wet, and then we would have one online class we would take just to get ahead in credits. So it, it was good. It was good. We would always, I think, at that point in time, we were lifting four times a week, having one off day. But we we couldn't be hands on with the coaching staff at that point because of NCAA rules. So it was just kind of, it was nice having the whole freshman, just about the whole freshman class here. And we would just go to work every day, putting and getting swings in the cage for our hitters or for the pitching staff, we would always throw. And we had, we had some guys, some older guys who were still here. So they kind of helped us out a little bit and we got to bond with them. Okay. So at that point in the summer, you said you meant you guys are working out four days a week. What did that workout regimen kind of look like? Just take us through maybe some key emphasis you guys had within your workouts and how that kind of changed as, you know, maybe some the upperclassmen started showing up and school was actually starting to get started. Yes, yeah, sir. So a lot in the summer was just eat as much as you can and try and put on some more muscle, actually be able to look like we can play in the SEC and be, be a part. So it was normally, we would normally go full body workouts four days a week just trying to get our legs stronger, our arms stronger, being able to handle the long season of that college baseball has, especially as a freshman, because you haven't played that many games before in a freshman in a high school season. 
and you haven't had that kind of like grind on your body with like the travel and all that and then having to do schoolwork on top of it so it was just kind of getting ourselves prepared for the fall and being able to make sure we're ready for the fall and the spring okay so with the freshman baseball players being one of the few people on campus i'm sure you got to bond quite a bit with some of your freshman teammates those guys in your signing class who were some of those guys that you maybe built the biggest relationship with or just the biggest bonds that, that, in the summer and then even in the fall as well? Yes, yeah, sir. One of the big ones was David Mershon. He played with the Canes for three years. So I had, I had already know, known him going into Mississippi State, but we really got to we got to become more close here during that summer process of working out every day, throwing every day. And then mainly – most of our catchers, I got to I got to like hang out with a lot just because at that time we're we're throwing every day. So we need someone to throw with. And if we ever need if we didn't have a throwing partner, we could always call our catchers or our infielders. And then if we wanted to th throw touch and feels, our catchers would always catch them for us. So it was kind of most of our catchers I got to bond with. I got to bond with most of our outfielders, too. So it was fun. Okay. So, you know, all those upperclassmen show up to campus, you know, actually your freshman years get enrolling, take us through fall ball. What did that day-to-day -day look like for you week to week? Just take us through that whole atmosphere of uh, fall baseball there at Mississippi State. Yes, sir. Fall ball was fun. It was fun. We we really got competitive after, after it here in the fall. So it was just kind of just, it was fun. I mean, the upperclassmen helped us through the day-to-day -day grind of, Hey, this is what you really need to do here. Like when you have an off day, take the off day because you, you're going to be playing for a while. It's going to be a lot on your body. It's going to be a lot on your arm. Make sure you're really taking the off day to make sure you're healthy for when you have to throw. So it was kind of like the upperclassmen taking us under our wings, really showing us what, what to do through that day-to-day -day process of everyday practice and like what we need to do to be better and have more command of our stuff. Okay, so you're getting your first taste of, you know, I'm not going to say SEC baseball, but college baseball there in the fall, you know, doing some inter-squad scrimmages. What were some of those biggest surprises that hit you to where it's just like, okay, like, man, I'm, I'm actually playing college baseball right now? Yes, yeah, sir. The biggest thing is just just being more competitive in the strike zone because the hitters the hitters are a lot stronger now. They're, they hit balls a lot harder. Balls fly a lot further. So it was just kind of getting used to that aspect of the game that these hitters can actually, these hitters can hit. Like it's one through nine and they can hit. Unlike in high school where you normally have like two or three guys in the lineup you have to worry about. And the other six, it's kind of easy to get through. But like it's one through nine and you have to be mentally focused and locked in for all one through nine to be able to have success. Yeah. So you're going through that fall, you know, the winter comes up, you know, leading up into that spring. What were some, just talking about development here, what were some of those key things this past off season that you tried to focus on just to, you know, get ready to play collegiate baseball for the first time this spring? Yes, yeah, sir. One of the main focuses I had was getting my velo, trying to jump my velo a little bit. So I jumped at like two, three miles an hour from the fall to the spring, which was, I think, played a crucial role in it. And then the biggest thing was just make sure my body was ready to take the grind that was about to happen for the next four or five months. Just being able to make sure I'm physically capable, my arms physically in good shape, and I'm ready to go. Okay. So you guys flipped that calendar from 2022 to 2023. Those first couple of weeks of this year, you know, right before the season gets rolling, what are those first, what are those first couple of weeks, you know, leading up to the season kind of look like before the games get started? 
Yes, sir. So first couple of weeks, we normally we're back in the weight room early. We're back in there in January, really just getting after it. Make sure, make sure and we're still where we need to be going into the spring. So then we'll go from there. We, we will have about a week of practice, just making sure we have the fundamentals back down and making sure we still have, we'll throw bullpens, two, three, four bullpens before we actually touch the mountain inner squads. And then three weeks out from the season, we're inner squatting just about every weekend. And then maybe one on the midweek just to be ready to, for what the season has. Okay, so the season gets rolling. I believe you get your you get your first couple outings there, right there at the beginning of the season. What were some of those first outings like, and just you know, your first couple innings of actually pitching in in, in, in uh, college baseball? Yes, sir. The first couple of outings were fun. They were fun. It was always it was nice to get out there on the mound and really just compete with the whole team around me. Because normally in the fall you're competing against each other. So like you're competing against your own guys who are now on the field playing with you. And you're like, yeah, I got my defense behind me now. Like I have the guys, I have the whole 35, 40 guys in the dugout with me and we're all competing for the same goal. So it, it was fun. It was fun for sure. Just being able to take in the atmosphere for the first time too here at Mississippi state with the fan base and everything it has to hold. I'm sure. So uh, from looking at some of your outings here this spring, I mean, I'm seeing Arizona State, Ohio State, Kentucky, you know, power five programs. Also see a couple of mid majors in there as well. For you, when you're on the mound to get some of these power five compared to mid majors, do you see a difference within the just the talent level of the hitters? Or for you, does it kind of seem the same when you're up there on the mound? It kind of see, it kind of seems the same. There's I feel like there's really there's really not a difference between them. There's really not a difference between them. They're just all the same, especially if one team's older or one team's younger. You can you can kind of tell where the young and the old are different because the older guys have a better approach. They seem to stay on stuff a little bit better than the younger guys. But there's also there's also younger guys who are still really good and who have been who have been playing really good ball for the past four weeks, five weeks of the season. So it's I think it's really pretty much the same. Okay, so as your freshman years, you know, probably probably about what about halfway through so far, you know, maybe what is that toughest hitter that you have faced so far? Maybe the toughest AB. Toughest AB in college baseball. Ooh. I I don't know. That's a tough one because there's been pretty there's been a lot of tough at bats just because they like to foul a lot off, keep going, keep going. But the Kentucky throwing in Kentucky was pretty tough. We, we played on a Sunday. It was – got off the bus for BP snowing. It was like 19 degrees outside. Hmm. I mean, not 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 ideal conditions to throw in, but it, I think that was probably one of the tougher ones just because those hitters – those guys can hit over there too. They're on a – they're on probably a hot streak right now. Just won a series against Alabama, swept us. I mean, they're, they're hot right now. Yeah. So that was, that was kind of tough throwing against them there. So talking about SEC baseball, I know Vanderbilt came to town here this past weekend. What was that atmosphere like, you know, facing one of those top teams in the country? I was watching some highlights. Looked like there's a lot of quite a few fans in the stands. What was that atmosphere just being a part of that in Starkville? Yes, yeah, sir. The atmosphere was great. It was great. It was you you kind of get goosebumps when you walk out there for an hour right before the game when you go down to the pen to start getting warm, start to warm up. You just walk out of the tunnel and you see grill smoke in the air, lights are on, everybody's screaming and yelling, you're hearing cowbells ring. I mean, I think personally it's one of the best fan bases in college baseball. 
we probably had over at least 10,000 a night here during that series. It, it was crazy. It was crazy. It was fun. The fans were pulling for us. It was electric. I'm sure. I've always heard some great things about Starkville. But as as this season continues on, what are some of those goals that you have personally for yourself um, just as this season continues and you head into, you know, maybe some summer baseball as well? Yes, sir. Just do everything I can to help the team out. Just pretty much what the team needs me to do. Be there to help the team out and get through it and help our guys have a for our older guys, help our guys have a really good season so they have something to look back on. And for our younger guys, just keep developing. And at the end of the year, we'll be where we want to be, and we'll just keep fighting for it. Okay. So being a part of this program now for, like like I mentioned earlier, I believe it's like eight or nine months or so, you know, how has that relationship with that coaching staff, with Lamonis, your pitching coach, hitting coach, stuff like that, how has that relationship evolved over time? I'm sure it was a great relationship already to commit there, but, you know, going through the commitments part, actually signing, now being a part of them on the day-to-day, how has that relationship kind of evolved? Yes, sir. The relationship's great. It's it's great. Our coaches will fight for us any day of the week. I mean, we can go to them whenever we want, need to talk to talk to them about something. They're always willing to talk to us. I mean, little Coach Lem will go to – he'll fight for us any day of the week no matter what it is. I mean, he's a, he's always in our corner, but at the same time, he's also there to discipline us if we need it. Okay. Same thing with Coach Fox. Like, he'll, he'll tell us the straight-up truth if we need to hear the straight-up truth. All right, so, you know, as the season ends, you know, you look towards this upcoming summer. Are you planning on playing for a collegiate summer league? What is the plan kind of there? Yes, sir. I am going to New York, Amsterdam, New York, and I'll play for the Amsterdam Mohawks up there this summer. Okay, so what are you looking forward to most of, you know, play, playing up in New York? I'm sure, you know, probably haven't been to New York too often in your within your career so far. What are you looking forward to most of that and just, you know, being a part of Collegiate Summer League? Yes, sir. I'm looking most, most importantly to kind of see my family up there since they'll be able to come watch me play because they don't come down. They won't be able to come down here that much in the season. So, like, my grandparents, all my grandparents are from New York, so they're 30 minutes outside of where I'll be playing. So it'll be it'll be cool to see – see my see them come out to games and be able to watch okay so in college summer leagues i know the hitters they switch from metal to wood for you as a pitcher is there a like a mindset shift when you're pitching to guys using wood bats compared to metal bats or for you or any other pitchers do you think it's just i'm on the mound i'm trying to get these guys out yes sir i'm on the mound and i'm trying to try and get out get get as many outs as i can whether it's them swinging metal or them swinging wood but at the same time in the summer, just treat it as if they're swinging metal. Make pitches as if they're swinging metal because you know once you come back in the fall, these guys are going to be swinging metal, and you just got to be that much better when you get back and okay. develop over the summer. Okay. So let's throw it back here a little bit. You know, as we talk about summer ball, let's dig. It, let's throw it back to high school summer ball with the Canes national program. Let's give them a little bit of love here. Take us through just your Canes experience, you know, how you got connected with them and what that time was like, you know, playing for Coach Petty, some of those other coaches on that Canes program. Yes, sir. The summer experience, the summer circuit was great. I loved it. I loved it every year being able to go out there and play play with them, playing for Coach Petty, Coach Mills, all those guys. They, great, great coaching staff for the Canes. I really, I really truly enjoyed my time in the Canes program and being able to play under them for – three four years when I did in the summer playing against some of the best talent and talent in the country as well as playing with some of the best talent in the country with our teams that we had and put together 
I I started I started with the Canes from a fall of my 15-year year was when I first played with them. I think I played with the 15-year national in Jupiter, Florida. It was the first time I played. And then from there, they just kept asking me to come back. And it was kind of hands down, a hands down decision. Like, of course, I'll come back. I mean, we're playing the best, best talent in the country with the best talent in the country. And like our coaching staff was helping develop us throughout the process. So I, I loved, I loved every minute of it from the long days in the summer to the hotel, to the bus rides. It was fun. It was fun. I'm sure. So playing for them from your 15 year year, you know, probably three or four years with the Canes, what were some of those relationships you built with maybe some of your teammates, but also some of those coaches as well? What do those relationships look like? Yes, sir. Those, the relationships are great. They're some of the best relationships. I still talk to most of those guys today, still text with the coaching staff. I mean, the relationships are great. They'll, they, they'll always be here for me when I need it. And it's, it's just, it's a great organization, great people really want the best for you truly. And the players, I mean, we've, we've had so many guys drafted from the teams I played with. It's, it's pretty crazy. You look up and you look up on draft night and you're like, Hey, I played three summers with that guy who got drafted. Like it's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And we still, we all still talk together. All right, so this is going to be a loaded question here for you, but looking back your three or four years with that Canes program, just what are some of those favorite memories that come to mind, whether that's on the field, off the field, hanging out with some teammates, just what are those, some of those favorite memories? Yes, yeah, sir. Some of the favorite memories have to be the dog piles after winning WWBA. We, we won it. I won WWBA three times. It was, it was fun. It, it never got old. Never got old being able to just go out there and dog pile with the group of guys who spent – probably the past three months with two, three months with just going from place to place and just having the grind of the summer season, knowing that it all finally paid, paid off. And you just, you probably just won eight games, nine games in a week to get to where, the point where you're at to win the WWBA. So it, it's fun. It's fun being able to hug the coach and staff and say, we did it beating 300 and something teams who joined in and being able to be the last one standing. So it was fun. I'm sure. So let's transition a little bit to Starkville Academy. I know you played for Academy Baseball for at least one season. I know you said you were also in South Carolina. But what was that like, just high school experience, going to Starkville? Where did that whole decision come from? And why did you end up going to play for Starkville Academy? Yes, sir. Starkville Academy was good. It was. I didn't want to go to a really big school. So Starkville Academy was kind of a smaller school, but still had a pretty decent baseball program, still had decent facilities I could use. So it, it wasn't it wasn't a big, big school where I wouldn't get the help I needed in the classroom, but it wasn't too small where I, I couldn't have I couldn't do what I wanted to do on the field. So it was good. I actually lived 30 minutes away, so I'd make the 30-minute commute to Starkville every day to go to school. But it was it was a fun senior year. We we had some success as a baseball program. We were I think we were a round away from winning state. So, but it was fun. It was fun. So for some of these younger guys that are listening, maybe making that decision between do I go play for my high school team? Do I go play for an academy? You know what benefits came from you? going through that experience with Starkville Academy and just maybe that advice you would have for a guy trying to make that decision, high school baseball, academy baseball, take us through that. Yes, sir. So playing for both, I played for a public school in South Carolina for four years and then playing for an academy my senior year. It's, it's a little bit different as far as the baseball goes. 
So Mississippi, more of our academies in Mississippi, that's more of like kind of like the better baseball, if you could say, but also the public schools here are really good too. So we've got like Oxford High, they're, they're pretty good. There's multiple ones like Madison Central who had Braden Montgomery and all those guys. So it, it was, it, it's kind of different as it's just more of like where you're going to fit in, where you'll fit in the best, what really makes you feel at home and like who's going to, what, what coaching staff's going to help develop you more. Cause at the end of the day, that's really what you want in high school is just being able to develop through your baseball career and hopefully going on to play somewhere a division one program or division two program and keep playing baseball throughout your life. All right. So my last baseball segment here for you, advisor selection process. Like I said, I'm trying to be a draft advisor slash agent once I graduate from school. So i got a couple questions here for you. Take us through that selection process, just in terms of when was it that advisors kind of started reaching out and what were some of those key things you were looking for as you were deciding between, you know, maybe a couple different advisors. Yes, sir. Advisor process was, I didn't have too many advisors reach out. I had two or three reach out to me. And so it was it wasn't too bad of a process. I I got my advisor in the fall of my sophomore year. So right after I committed, kind of talked to advisors. But it, it was good. Just went sat down with the few advisors who called to talk to me and really just seeing what they have, what the plan is for me going throughout high school and going into college and making sure they were there and backed me up if I did want to go to college after high school. Okay. So choosing that advisor as a sophomore, you know, how did that relationship kind of build through your sophomore, junior, senior year to where you're at now? I um, mean, and, and how often are you guys, you know, maybe communicating back and forth since you already, you know, have chosen him to be your draft advisor? Yes, sir. We normally communicate like once a week back and forth, just make sure. And we're still touching in base, just seeing what everything has to hold for us. So it's normally like one once a week. And then in high school, high school, it was pretty frequent, frequent because my advisor was, I think he was two and a half hours away from where I played in high school in South Carolina. So we, we would always talk a good amount there. Okay. All right. So digging into my last segment here, rapid fire, moving away, you know, from the game of baseball, digging in more to the personal side of things. So let's say passions. When beyond be, passions beyond the game of baseball, maybe you need to take your mind off of some things, cope with some stress, whatever it happens to be. What are some of those things you enjoy doing beyond baseball? Beyond baseball, it's probably say fishing. Fishing's a big one, especially here in Mississippi, because there's not a lot to do outside of the college campus in Starkville, except for, hey, go find a pond and go catch some fish. So normally that's a big one for me. Hunting's also another big one in Mississippi. Uh, one that I just recently picked up was playing pool. So especially in the, in the winter, since it's a little bit colder, just get a couple of guys together on the team, go play some pool, you know, just have some fun with it. Okay. So I got a question for you that I always like to ask my guys who say they love fishing, they love hunting. Um, so what is that? I guess that what is that best hunting story that you have from, you know, or I guess hunting or fishing story that you got? Hunting story would probably be my first deer that I killed. I had a buddy from Starkville Academy take me out and we actually hunted in Starkville. And at this point we were, we were using a crossbow sitting up in a tree stand and we've got, we probably have like seven, eight does just sitting around the tree stand coming down. And it's always, it's always shocking once you hear the first one blow 
and you're like it kind of catches you off guard and you kind of almost jump out of the tree stand but your your heart starts beating really fast and then next thing you know I think I had a seven pointer walk straight out of the woods right into my sights and you know you go to you go to pull the trigger on the crossbow and your heartbeat starts going 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 and you're just like please don't miss please don't miss but uh yeah so I pulled the trigger hit it hit it right in the sweet spot, ran probably 15 yards, dropped. So the only thing that sucked was having to pull that thing all the way back to the car. That, that was, that was <laughs> I'm, miserable. Sure, I'm sure those things aren't, you know, aren't light creatures, but uh, digging into, digging into motivations here, you know, what is it that helps you, you know, get out of bed every morning, continuously evolve as a ball player, as a person, just what are some of those motivations that you got? Yeah, so just motivation of just getting up and going every day, just trying to be the best person you can be every day and just getting 1% better, just trying to become a better baseball player, becoming a better man, kind of forming into what what I'll be in the future, like just kind of really taking your life lessons you've gone through, just hard work, keep your head down, keep going, be blue-collared and just keep going, especially with my dad being military. He's kind of put that in me from – from an early age, just kind of get up and go. Your life's not fair. You just have to go. Just yeah. go. Just yeah. keep going. Okay, so you keep getting 1% better every day. What is that perfect picture of your life? 20 years down the road, you'll be, what, like probably 38, 39 or so. What does that perfect picture of your life look like 20 years down the road? Yes, yeah, sir. Perfect picture would be playing in the MLB. 30, be 38, 30-ish in there. Be playing in the MLB, having a family kid and being able to support them while also being able to give my parents what they need and help my brother out okay all right so my final two questions here on the podcast i'll just ask them back to back same two questions i like to end it off with so first one go to playlist and then last one dream nil brand so you get the opportunity to partner with any brand in the world what would be that dream brand all right so go to playlist pre-game go to playlist we, we've had we've had multiple ones. I'm normally a country guy. The clubhouse normally likes a little throwback 2000s, somewhere in there. You know, get some Zendaya on in the locker room. It's a it's always a fun time. I, I kind of like the 2000s throwback, but like to be locked in for the game, it's mostly like country Nickelback in there. Ooh, okay, Nickelback. Shoot, I've never. I, I'm a big fan of Nickelback. I've never had anyone say that, but <laughs> yes, sir. Um, but no, what's that? What's that Dream NIL brand? Dream NIL brand, Gatorade. I think Gatorade would be really cool to have. Okay, there we go. So the down south, you guys aren't Powerade people. You guys are still Gatorade? We're still Gatorade. Still Gatorade. Okay. All right, man. Yes, sir. Well, that's the final question here on the J-Care podcast for you. Uh, you know, super appreciative of you coming on the show. Um, as you continue on with your freshman year, going into this summer, and just, you know, the rest of your, rest of your career in general, just the best of luck. You know, I'll definitely be following you from now on. And like I said, man, just thanks for coming on the J-Care podcast. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me.